this morning. We pray that you will release grace and anointing in this place that will make the proclamation of your word effective, Lord. In Jesus' name, we bind every resistance to the preaching of God's word. We bind every kind of critical spirit. In Jesus' name, we take victory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Melvin, fix this. Praise the Lord. It's such a joy, again, to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Today's title for the message is, Do This in Remembrance of Me. That's the title for the message today. And, of course, we all know it's associated with the, with the table, and we're going to have the table after we take part in the Lord's table. Praise the Lord. We're going to have the table as soon as we hear the word of God. Praise the Lord. Um, recently, I've been talking to, to quite a few people, 
And there has been a prevalent theory or prevalent teaching and doctrine in the churches in the churches in America, uh, even in Pentecostal churches, that the Holy Communion is something that everybody can participate. Everybody can come. Anybody and everybody, whoever wants come, they can partake in the table. Well, the reason being because Jesus said, "Do this in." Remembrance of me. So since the instruction is just do this in remembrance of me, the prevalent teaching that is taking place in America and around the world is anybody, everybody can come and take part in the table. The other day I was told that somebody uh, actually went for a, a wedding. And uh, during the wedding, during the service, they had the Holy Communion. And during the Holy Communion, the, the priest who was officiating said, now everybody can come and take part in the Holy Communion because it's after all just uh, doing this in remembrance of what Jesus did. And everybody who had come for the wedding, uh, regardless of who it was, what they believed in, what they did not believe in, uh, they just came and took part in the Holy Communion. So this has been the the teaching that is going around. And uh, we as the church of God, we need to be careful and we need to pay attention to what the scripture says, lest we drift away with the teachings of the time. So uh, this morning, we are going to spend some time before the table. So it's going to be preaching and teaching all combined together uh, this session because this is important. I thought that I will take a Bible study for this. Uh, but then I realized that um, everybody is not here for the Bible study, whether it's in the English session or the Malayalam session. And since this is very important and since all of you need to hear this, we're going to take this time to, uh, to do this. So we will look into God's word. The Bible says in Luke, praise God, Jesus Christ, just the night before he was betrayed, um, after the Passover meal, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, saying, This is my body which is being broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. So, the bread that we break is a remembrance of the broken body of Christ. And the wine that we take is a remembrance of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is a fact and it is repeated Sunday after Sunday and sometimes we ought to be very careful that familiarity should not breed contempt. Praise God. We have the table here every Sunday. What does that mean? Does that mean that it's just simply a ritual? Definitely it's not a ritual. It's a command of the Lord so we take the time to have the table here before us. There are two ordinances that's given to the church. One is the believer's baptism and the other one is the holy communion or the Lord's table. The believer's baptism is taken once in lifetime when you believe. When you, those, for those who confess their sins, those who believe that the Lord Jesus died for them and the Lord Jesus took away their sins. Believe and receive Christ as your Savior. Those who acknowledge that, 
And when you either you want to identify yourself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, obeying the commandment of the Lord Jesus, you take water baptism once in lifetime. The church, according to the scripture, does not prescribe to the infant baptism, neither does this church prescribe to the adult baptism. This church prescribes to the baptism as it has been taught in the scripture, those who believe must be baptized. It is the believer's baptism that we prescribe to. Praise the Lord. And those who have been baptized, it is those people should take part in the table. That's what we teach. That's what the scripture says. And so we will get into the depth of it slowly by steady and steadily within the time frame that we have this morning. So Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it and said, do this in remembrance of me. Praise the Lord. What is it that, the Jesus, that Jesus was trying to say? Do this in remembrance of me. Why is it that the Lord wanted to tell and convey to his disciples that they ought to remember this. We live in this world where things are quite often very easily forgotten. People, forgot, for people forget what they ought to remember and they remember what they ought to forget. Isn't that the nature of man? When people do good to us, we tend to forget it conveniently. But if people offend us or they harm us, we tend to remember that, store that in our heart, keep a grudge. Grudge turns into bitterness. Bitterness turns into defiling many of their lives. But Jesus wanted his people to remember. Remember what? Remember the Lord Jesus. Remember who? The Lord Jesus. And remember what? What he has done for you and for me, lest we conveniently forget what Christ has done for us. Praise the Lord. This is a memorial service, or it stands as a monument reminding what Jesus has done on our behalf on the cross of Calvary. We see monuments all around. We see memorials all around. Great men of this world, men and women of this world, in order to honor them, they have memorials and there are monuments all over the world. We went to Guyana the other day and we were surprised that in the middle of the city square, there is a monument that is dedicated to Mahatma Gandhi. Okay? And there are monuments all over the place whereby people are, are given an opportunity to remember. Great men of this world, some of them, they have erected their own monuments when they are still alive. The Bible talks about such a man. The Bible talks about in Samuel, 2 Samuel 18, 18, about a man called Absalom. When Absalom was still alive, he erected a monument for himself. Because Absalom said to himself, there is no one who is going to pick my lineage after me. And I want people to remember me even after I die. 
they believe it or not, folks, Absalom is still remembered. Absalom is still talked about. You don't need the monument in Israel to remember Absalom. Absalom's name, Absalom's work, Absalom's efforts are all etched in the scriptures uh, and it is talked about and it stands as a monument. Do you know what Absalom is remembered as? Absalom was is remembered through the scriptures and the, through the centuries as a man, as a son who rebelled against his father. When you take the life of Absalom, you'll realize that there were so many good things about Absalom. Absalom was a handsome man. The Bible says from head to toe, this man was Abnoah's handsome and he had this 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 awesome charisma that will drive people to him and in order and instead of using that charisma the gift that God had given him to draw people to him so that he can glorify God Absalom used the same charisma and the glory that he had that God had given to rebel against his father who was appointed, selected, handpicked by God himself to be the shepherd of the children of Israel. What a sad thing when people use their gifts to motivate themselves, use their gifts to just to promote themselves, use their gifts to to just to drive their own agendas, knowing or without knowledge or without knowingly or unknowingly, they are in the process of building a monument. Our life is a testimony in this world. May you and I be remembered and reminded as people who exalted the king, the king who established the kingdom of God, who was involved in expanding the kingdom of God and who were promoting their, not their own agenda, but promoting the agenda of the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. You know, I don't know how many of you guys know that um, they had a, a monument erected for Stalin in Russia. Do you know what happened to it? <laughs> during the, during the uh, I think it was the time when, when, when Gorbachev was in power. When there was, a, there was a revolution took place and Elson came in, we see that Stalin's image, that monument was knocked down. It's another big henchman, iron man whose monument was knocked down. You know who was it? <laughs> Saddam Hussein. You know, when he was alive, he put himself all over the place. And even when he was still around, they knocked down that monument that they had built. So the monuments and the memorials, they stand, they are erected with a purpose of reminding a person or what they have done, reminding their contribution. All the monuments that you see in the world, they are permanent structures till they are taken away by men. 
but the monument or the memorial that we see here that Jesus is talking about takes the bread, takes the wine, which was a common ingredient of the meal, and he said, do this in remembrance of me, making this a monument, a memorial that moves and travels throughout the century as the saints of God, they handle it week after week around the world doing this in remembrance of Jesus. This morning also we have the table here. Praise God. This table reminds us of who? This table reminds us of Jesus. And what is it that it reminds us? What he did for us. What did he do for us? Praise God. Taking my sin, my sickness, my curse, he went up on the cross. Praise God. He who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. See, when we talk about Jesus taking our sin, we take it, sometimes it just becomes a cliche. You know, we have heard this so many times over and over and over again that we just don't tend to understand the gravity, the depth, the magnitude, the scope of what we are talking about. The Bible says Jesus, he knew no sin. He knew no sin. He committed no sin. In him was no sin. Do you know what it is? He knew no sin. He committed no sin. In him was no sin. There is not a single person in this universe who had ever lived or would ever live can, that, can, that you and I all can attribute this to. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. He knew no sin. He committed no sin. In him was no sin. It is this Jesus, the perfect, spotless, blemish-free, praise God, Lamb of God, who took the sins of mankind upon himself. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. He went through various temptations, but the Bible says, yet he was without sin. Praise God. So when you come around the table, you sit around the table, we are reminded of a Jesus, my Savior, our Savior, our Redeemer, who came into this world taking the form of man, creator God, taking the form of creature, coming into this world, going through everything that you and I go through, yet kept himself sinless and gave himself into the hands of the creatures that he had created. He suffered on the cross of Calvary all so that you and I can be redeemed. And that's what we need to remember when we come and sit around the table. The prophet Isaiah says like this in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 11. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. The labor of the Lord is depicted very clearly 
on the cross of Calvary. Praise God. On the cross of Calvary, it is clearly depicted. Isaiah, with that, with, with that foresight that the Lord gave him, with that futuristic telescope, he could see into the future as the Holy Spirit gives him a glimpse of the suffering Savior. And as it is depicted, as he has described it in Isaiah chapter 53, in the gospel, the gospel writers uh, have given us a clear picture of the suffering of Jesus Christ. Isaiah says, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Surely he bore our sorrows and our griefs and by his chastam, by his stripes, we are healed. Praise the Lord. The same Isaiah says, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Praise God. We all are used to the term of labor because we labor. We labor in our workplace. We were labor in our garden. We labor in our kitchen. We are constantly laboring. But the labor that is talking about here is Christ laboring for you and for me. And it is clearly given as to what he went through in order to redeem you and me from the clutches of sin. Praise the Lord. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Do you know what is the labor of his soul? He shall see the labor of his soul. When you and I labor, we see the fruit of our labor. How do you see the fruit of your labor? Hmm. Paychecks. Friday, every week, every other week, when you get your check, you look at your check and say, wow. You know, and if you really worked hard for that check, you look at that check and then you're like, praise the Lord. And if you are sleeping at your job, you look at the check and say, man, I got away with this. How many of such people are here? Oh, don't raise your hands. You know, but it's not just that labor, you know. We, we, we labor in the Lord's vineyard. I'll tell you what gives me joy. There are many, many, many areas that gives me joy. One area that gives me joy is to, to lead someone to Christ. And I'm telling you, if there is someone in the house this morning who's feeling down, one way you can experience the joy that comes from the Lord is to lead someone to the Lord. And when you see them, Stand for Jesus. When you see them grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, it brings so much joy because you have been a channel of blessing, an instrument of righteousness in the hand of God to impact a life for eternity. Hey man, you work a week and you get a check after one week. You know, if you are so much happy, let me tell you the joy that you will experience when you lead a person to Christ. The Bible says there is celebration up in heaven. There is joy in the heart because you have changed the course of the destiny of a person. A person who was hell bound is heaven bound because you became an instrument in the hand of God. Now compute that joy. I said one person, right? 
Suppose you are involved in this labor where through your labor, man, multitudes are coming to the Lord. What a joy. When it comes to the Lord, the Bible says, he shall see his, the, the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Jesus is the reason for the redemption of mankind. He is the way. He is the only way. So when he labored on the cross, praise God, he sees the fruit of his labor in the church of Jesus Christ, in the body of Christ, in the children of God. The church of Jesus Christ is the fruit of his labor. You and I are the fruit of his labor. Have you ever thought about it like that? That you and I are the fruit of his labor. Praise God. He travailed on the cross. He went through excruciating pain on the cross. He offered himself on the cross. He is a redeemer of a savior. You and I, we are the fruit of his labor. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, I am the fruit of his labor. Now look to that neighbor again and say, we are the fruit of his labor. Wow. Now let me, let me tell you, if you don't like that person who's sitting, I'll, I'll not sit next to you because you will not sit next to them. Maybe the person is sitting two, two pews behind you. Or maybe they are sitting this side or this side. You know, and then you say, him is the fruit of his labor. And then you say, I am the fruit of his labor. You think you can afford not to like him? The price of redemption is everybody's one price. Praise God. You and I are the fruit of his labor. Praise God. So if you ever come in the house of God or if there is any moment in your life where you have sagging spirit. You know what sagging spirit is? Sometimes you get up and you feel so low. You feel so low that you want to just, 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 just crawl under the bed and find a corner hole and go in there and sit there. Have you ever felt like that? Feel so down when everything is not working in your favor. When you have that ladder, that sagging spirit. When it seems as your dreams have been shattered and every projections that you have made about yourself is not working through. When you feel that there is the, 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 that your self-esteem has come down. I want you to remember this, that you are the fruit of his. Oh, praise God. When you remember that you are the fruit of his labor, praise God. That is a reason 
to shake yourself of all that keeping you down. Shake it off. Shake off that sagging spirit. Shake off that low self-esteem. Shake off all that failures. Stand up right before God and confess with your mouth and believe in the fact that you are the fruit of his labor. If I am the fruit of his labor, I am special to God. I am unique to God. I am a special creation. God sent his son on this earth to deliver me. Don't lose the importance of it by putting the term Jesus came to save the world. Say Jesus came to save me and you. Praise God. That's going to make me feel good. That's going to make you feel good. Praise God. Don't lose your identity in the multitudes of this world. You are part of this world. But I want to tell you, you have a unique identity. Heaven recognizes you as you are. And heaven sent Jesus to redeem you. You are unique to God. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says, he shall see the labor of his soul and be, <laughs> and be, how do you feel? Praise the Lord. We use the example of leading somebody to Christ, you know. And I said that it brings joy when you see that person grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, suppose if that person is not growing, and you can equate that in every field, suppose it's your child. You know, you have great aspirations. You have great, great uh, dreams about your children. And you see that the children are not doing good? Or would you be satisfied? Oh. This is of satisfaction. What, what will creep in? What would creep in? Huh? Pain. It's pain. You don't go directly to depression and disappointment. It will be, it will start with a pain. But the Bible says, he shall see, praise the Lord. He shall see what? The labor of his soul and be satisfied. Ha. Huh. You know, it gives me such joy just to know that heaven looks at me and will be satisfied. <laughs> Satisfied, number one, by virtue of what he has done on the cross of Calvary. I became his son, not because of anything that I did, but because of everything that he did. By faith, I believed in him, and I became the child of God. When heaven looks at me, heaven is satisfied. Praise God. That is one side of the coin. There is another side to the coin. Praise God. Heaven wants to see the Son. Praise God. Look like the Father. Act like the Father. Walk like the Father. Talk like the Father. Emulate the Father. The heaven will be satisfied when the children become like the 
Jesus. Let me ask you, by virtue of the fact that he redeemed me, he sees me and is satisfied. By virtue of my conduct, would he be satisfied? Praise God. The writer of Hebrews brags about the heroes of faith and says, and God was not ashamed to be called their God. Praise God. When heaven is satisfied with you and me, heaven will testify up there saying, that's my son, that's my daughter. Praise God. And whenever you reach there, whether you're going to reach there like Stephen reached there, or are you going to go there some other way? Whenever you reach there, heaven is satisfied and proud of you that Jesus stands up to receive because heaven is not ashamed to call them their God. Praise God. I don't know this morning. This should be a motivation for you and for me. It should motivate you and me for a holy living. It should motivate me for purification. It should motivate me to attempt excellence for Jesus. Ha! Praise God in anything that you do. Praise God. Attempt for excellence. Because I want heaven to look at me and say, Wow, what an investment. Praise God. Hallelujah. Whether you're singing, whether you're preaching, whether you're teaching, whether you're administering uh, or an administrator, whether no matter what you're doing in the house of God, in your home, uh, in your workplace, uh, wherever God has placed you, whatever your vocation is, uh, whatever your occupation is, uh, whatever your calling is, uh, strive for excellence for heaven ought to look at you and say, I'm satisfied with her. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, Jesus, he shall see the labor of his, we shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Praise the Lord. What a joy. That's why Paul writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Check this out, guys. We are the fruit of his labor. Praise God. And God wants us to know that the labor in the Lord is not in vain. Praise God. He did not labor in vain. I am the fruit of his labor. And when I labor for Christ, when I labor in Christ, when I labor through Christ, Bible assures me that my labor in the Lord is not in vain. If you labor in the Lord, there will be a divine satisfaction, a divine contentment, not only in you, but up in heaven as well. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hmm.
<laughs> in the Gospels, there are five places and incidents where Jesus gave bread or broke bread. I said it's going to be preaching and teaching, okay? So in the Gospels, there are five places. We see that Jesus broke bread or gave bread. Blessed the bread and gave it to them, you know? The one, one is feeding the 5,000. How many baskets were left? Huh? Praise the Lord. What was the motive there? The motive and the results in each one is different. Jesus fed the 5,000. The needs were met. Their belly were filled. There were 12 baskets surplus. Then Jesus fed how many? With how many bread? Seven loaves. How many, how many baskets were taken? It's easy. Seven baskets. Okay. Their needs were met. Then there is another place where Jesus broke the bread. The disciples were going to Emmaus. They were going to Emmaus. And Jesus was talking to them. And the Bible says their heart was burning as Jesus was talking to them. And then finally was Jesus was with them. And he broke their bread. And what broke the bread? And what happened? Their eyes were opened. Praise the Lord. There is another incident in the Bible where Jesus comes after the resurrection to the, to the beach, to the seashore by Tiberius. And he is waiting, awaiting the disciples. He has everything already for them. The bread is up on that coal and everything is ready. And Jesus came there with the intention of what? What was the intention? Reinstating them. Praise the Lord. And then, of course, we have the incident where the Lord, after the Passover meal, praise God, took the bread. He broke it 